Welcome to Your Lot and Parcel Podcast with your host, Benjamin Diaz, designed strictly for you, the consumer. You will find that this platform has your best interests at heart. This is Benjamin. Thank you for your company today. My guest speaks to the inception of the concept of using a dog as a guide for those that are visually impaired. She elaborates of which breeds are best fitted for this training program and what you should know about raising a puppy if you want to participate in this program. She answers questions that are perhaps so that you wondered for a long, long time. They are located on a beautiful seven and a half acre parcel in Los Angeles, California. Guide Dogs of America serves a diverse range of individuals from the United States and Canada. Their mission is to transform lives through partnerships with service dogs. She has been representing Guide Dogs of America for many years as the media and community liaison. Let's welcome this one special lady, Lori Burnson, and her dog, Captain. First of all, I, I like to say that uh, anytime you can empower someone to live with increased uh, independence, confidence, and mobility is a wonderful thing. And I'm happy to have you on the show today, Lori, and for you to share how your organization is committed to that. So before, tell us a, a little bit about yourself and the organization that you do represent, Lori. Oh, I would love to. Um, I work at Guide Dogs of America, and we're located in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. Mm-hmm. And I am the community, community the, the media and community liaison uh, for the mm-hmm. school. And what we do is we raise and breed and provide guide dogs and other service dogs for those who need them in order to just live their life to the person's fullest capacity. And if we can help people do that, and we do, then it's it's a win-win. There you go. Very good. So uh, when we speak in terms of a guide dog, and a service dog, that is not synonymous. In, in Correct. Saying, okay. Correct. There is the, the big umbrella called, you know, of service dogs. And within uh, that umbrella, there are guide dogs. There are dogs for people with PTSD. There uh, are assistance dogs who help those who might be in a wheelchair. Um, so there's different services that dogs provide. And at Guide Dogs of America, we provide guide dogs for those who are blind. Mm -hmm. And we also have uh, part of our school that uh, supplies guide uh, service animals for those with PTSD or children with autism. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, So, uh, uh, Lori, would you tell us uh, some history uh, on the concept of using a a dog as as a guide? Well, it started many, many, many years ago in the early uh, 1900s with uh, some war veterans that came Mm -hmm. back after their battles, uh, having had lost their sight. Mm -hmm. And they found that these dogs were able to really enhance their lives to be able to either proceed with their life with their vision loss and do more things that they'd like to do that they couldn't 
have before that. Um, and then it became a lot of back then, you know, many job jobs that were uh, employed by salespeople mm-hmm. and salespeople needed to go from whether it be door to door, but be very active of which is something that was very difficult for someone who's blind, unless you have mastered the use of the cane for the blind or uh, um, equally or if your enjoyment is having a dog and you don't mind the responsibility that goes along with it, having a dog can make your life a little bit mm-hmm. smoother. And um, you would be surprised how when somebody walks with a cane and some people are amazingly, incredibly fast mm-hmm. uh, with a cane, but those who aren't, I'm not so great with a cane, but when I got my first dog and I realized wow, I can just walk and he's in charge of watching out for obstacles and things of danger. And I can just focus on just enjoying what we're doing. Very good. Uh, let me ask you, uh, what, what breeds are used? as guide We dogs mainly today? use, um, mm-hmm. largest percentage of guide dogs are lab, Labrador retrievers. And then we also have some, which uh, I'm on my third guide dog, and two of them have been, uh, uh, one one is actually, wait, we're editing, right? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> um, my first guide dog was a golden retriever, and mm. then subsequently I had uh, a lab golden cross. Mm. And now I have Captain who's all lab. So I've had each one of them. And we also do uh, provide German Shepherds for those people who tend to be a little more active. Because German Shepherds, their personality is usually a little bit more go, go, go. So they need to be matched with somebody that can keep them busy and vice versa or the dog's a good match for the person a lot of energy in fact that was one i was going to ask you about that because maybe it's uh, subjective uh, on my part that i don't see any german shepherds as as i used to let's say back in the 70s or 60s you know um that, that are, you know the, the they started doing mainly german mm-hmm. shepherds that was like yes. the breed is known as a service dog right. and then the labs are the most widely used. They're very um, compatible with every environment and um, they're, you know, somewhat easily trained. Uh, But the shepherds, it's more of a, like every dog has a different personality. Every person has a different personality. And you've got to do the matching process as well as possible, which Guide Dogs of America does amazing. All of our clients will say after they perceive their dog, how, how did they how did they know this dog was like me? Mm-hmm. And it's it's truly such a gift, such a gift. Mm. Interesting. I, I know labs are used. Uh, I've seen young folks, you know, with labs. Uh, um, I guess they're more patient. I guess if you're going to school, I guess you would need the uh, that temperament there to be uh, to be with you there and to be patient with you. Yeah, uh, and that's what right? we do at the school. We also mm-hmm. we breed the dogs at the school, so we can mm-hmm. kind of measure out 
the temperament <clears throat> or match up some temperaments that might be a little more uh, mm-hmm. more docile to kind yeah. of even out a dog that might be super hyper. Exactly. Um, but there's people, you know, there's if you have young college students there sure. and that are on the go, oh, they need a dog that's on the go, or older clients who may not be as active as a college mm-hmm. student would might might need a dog who doesn't need as much activity mm-hmm. to keep them happy. Yes, very good. I um, see. What was I going to ask you? Uh, um, I do have a friend that, uh, in fact, he's, he has his second, it's a lab, his second dog here. And uh name is Hitchcock. He'll probably be oh, listening. Oh, very cute. To, cute. Yeah. He'll be listening to His second to guide dog? Yeah, the guy, second guide dog. The first dog was Rugby. So how in the world do you come up with these names? <laughs> what, what goes well, into- it's interesting because yeah. each time we have a litter born at the school, that litter is designated by a letter of the alphabet. So let's say there's a litter born today and we might be on the letter G. Mm. So all of the puppies in that litter will be named with a name that starts with the G. Um, And uh, they have to go through the the clearance if the name is okay and that it's not already being used by a working service dog or working guide dog um, or another puppy in training. And the puppy raiser that actually takes the puppy, it's almost like a foster family in the program. They take the puppies home at seven weeks of age, and they're the ones who pick the name for the dog. And they have the dog for almost until the dog is around 16 months of age. And their job is to take that dog as many places as they can so that the dog gets exposed to as many scenarios, environments, and surfaces, because we never know if the dog makes it as a guide dog, where the dog is going to end up. It might end up, you know, back east where it's very cold. It might end up with somebody that takes a lot of public transportation. So the... The volunteer job of the puppy raiser is to do exactly that. Just expose them, take them to work, and uh, just make them a generally well-adapted to most environments kind of a dog. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Let me, um, what uh, the expense from beginning to the completion of the training, uh, can you share that with us? Uh, I mean, we can... Sure, absolutely. Um, one of the actual facts that really should be known with uh, as far as guide dogs of America. The recipient does not pay anything Mm. to receive the dog. The school does all of the fundraising, uh, whether it be by uh, private donations or going to other organizations or companies, um, Mm. begging like a dog (laughs) for as much as uh, we can get because the cost of actually putting a team together like of Captain and I, is almost $60,000. Oh, wow. So <laughs> You know, that's, that's could, on, par, on par to a brand new sedan. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly. So when you do I the math, guess. and we aren't a large school, but mm. we, we are able to graduate around 60 or 70 teams 
a year. So we do a lot of work doing fundraising and reaching out and just trying to raise the money to, you know, basically, as, as in my own life, just change people's lives. And my life took off right when I got my first guide dog and has not stopped. Mm-hmm. It is a very noble uh, program. Is the government involved in funding at all? Um, for the guide dogs, no. There's no government funding. Um, mm. Some with the uh, PTSD uh, uh, service dogs, we try to get some government grants or mm. grants from other um, companies. But as far as uh, the guide dogs, it's strictly fundraising done by the school or other people that do fundraising for us. Very good. How, how long is the training program for it, the training actually interesting enough when the puppy's born at the nursery we start them right away getting used to you know being pet and being held and just that human interaction pretty right away a few days old and we get in there and we sit in there with them it's a horrible job for the people who have to do that <laughs> yeah right. and yeah and then like I said, they they go home with a puppy raiser at seven weeks of age and return back to the school at around 16 months. And that's when the puppy raiser actually has to give the dog back to the school, which is, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And then um, the dog then works with a licensed guide dog instructor. And it's there, that's the role of the person who's licensed to train the dog with the guide dog work with the work with the cars and traffic and curbs and obstacles and actually put the dog in harness and start that part of the training and that lasts like i said around six to nine months so the dogs are usually around two two and a half when they graduate my goodness okay um I'm picturing the mind. Let's say I, I I got involved in the program. Let's say I already have two uh, two dogs in the home. Is that a factor? It's actually it's if you have children, if you have other animals, and you wanted to be a puppy raiser, that's yeah. not a problem at all. In fact, it just exposes the dog to even more mm. because, like I said, you never know if someone who applies and receives a guide dog might have children at home they might have another dog they might have a cat so that's part of the matching a little bit mm. process like for instance if you know all of these dogs can kind of conform to what environment they're placed in but if there's you know a couple of dogs that might be good for this person but oh you know what this one was raised in a home that had two children and a cat and the the recipient who's going to be receiving a dog we might tend to lean and and match them with that dog because it has a little more experience in the lifestyle that the person has of mm-hmm. of where the dog will be going yes interesting yeah um, the, the these uh, guide dogs <clears throat> i'm sure our listenership May have a question or two, but uh, I'm trying to anticipate. Uh, so let me ask you: uh, How is a dog trained 
to cross an intersection? Lori? Good question. That's one of the myths is that the people do think that the dogs can see the light changing from green to red, (laughs) but they don't. And um, what you have to know as a person who's blind before you receive a guide dog is how to use your cane. Because when you stand at a corner and you're with your cane, the only thing you have is listening to traffic patterns. So you want to make sure you hear the traffic patterns going in the direction that you want to travel. So once you hear that it's, you know, if you're going north-south, you want to make sure the traffic is going north-south. The job of the dog is really to listen to your command and then decide if it's safe. So uh, that's what's called intelligent disobedience. So if I were to be crossing the street and I, it it sounds clear and the traffic pattern is in my favor, I'm going to tell captain, captain forward. And if he doesn't go and respond to my command, he's telling me something Mm -hmm. either. Nope. There's an obstacle here. There's something. And I have to kind of, figure it out. And uh, a good example, especially now with the um, electric cars, oh, yes. you don't hear them. No, you don't. Very, very quiet. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're, they're, they're yeah. not the favorite of the community of the blind type of transportation to be outside of. Inside, it's fine. But mm-hmm. listening for the traffic patterns of those cars, especially when they're idling at mm-hmm. a corner, mm-hmm. um, that's where captain might do dis, you know intelligent disobedience and say Mm-mm, not safe there's something here and then i'll wait and i'll hear the little hum of the car as it turns the corner yes. or he might see a bicycle coming that i can't hear from a very far distance and he won't go or there might be something uh in front of me and but once i acknowledge what he's showing me or i figure out like oh, there's some stuff in the gutter and he doesn't want me to step into it. Mm-hmm. Once I acknowledge what he's trying to show me and I, good boy, good boy. And then I give him the command again, he will go because mm-hmm. we just communicated that. I got it, buddy. I know exactly why you stopped and we're, we're good now. Interesting. So as far as crossing, it's me listening to the traffic patterns and him making sure that it's safe. We are having an enjoyable visit with the media and community liaison of Guide Dogs of America. Her passion and her commitment to make a difference in the lives of others is unequivocal. Let's get back with Lori Bernson. There you go. For the sake of uh, education, you know, and the public, for the public to know, uh, let's say you're walking down the sidewalk with Captain Lori and uh, and the, a pedestrian, you know, they, you know, lots of us love dogs, right? Uh, interaction with a dog, going up to pet him, is that frowned upon or how is that? It's very frowned upon. And the, and okay. the main thing I, I'd like to get across yes. to is if you, if you do see, I mean, any dog, you don't know if they're friendly. You really, really That's should true. always ask the handler or the person on, the, the, person on the leash. Exactly. Um because I just, I don't think it's safe for to just approach a dog um, without asking if 
you know, there might be a situation that the person with the dog might be working with、mm-hmm. that they need the dog to not be social for right now.、Mm-hmm. Um, but especially with a guide dog, you don't want to distract them. You know, many people are like, oh, what a beautiful dog. Can I pet him? Can I pet、oh, him?、Yeah. Yes. And the reason I say no is not to be mean or not like no. It's unfortunately it would distract him. Yes. And if he's looking at someone who's like, hey, puppy, 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 there might be a step that we're approaching.、Mm-hmm. And he will no longer be paying attention to that、exactly. because、yeah. he's looking at the person who's calling to say hi. and Um, but that's really it's the explanation as to why not. And it's,、exactly. it's really to keep the safety of the team. Some good points, very good points.、Uh, so, are, are, are guide dogs allowed everywhere?、Uh, guide dogs are allowed everywhere the public is allowed.、Um, uh, for instance,、uh, whether it's a grocery store or、uh, movie theater, banks,、um, concerts,、uh, every. Taxis, buses,、um, car services, any type of business that is there for the public, public yeah, is yeah. where these guide dogs are allowed in. And、yeah. the so、problem I, I, is. I, yes, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say the problem now is some of these not really service dogs, service dogs.、Mm-hmm. Um, Because people are, are bringing in their dogs that aren't legitimately service dogs. And it's a problem for the legitimate dogs because the ones that aren't, they don't know how to act you know, in a restaurant. They might be barking, they might want to approach my dog. And that's just not right in that kind of a scenario. So a lot of business owners are afraid to even ask. Um, you know, is that your service dog? Because they, most unfortunately, people that are, are trying to do this, they'll say, yes, it is.、Um, but you can usually tell a legitimate service dog from a、yes. non. Yeah. Absolutely. Because to be quite frank with you, I have heard stories, it might have been a good friend of mine, that,、uh, that he, he did go into this one venue. Didn't like the idea at all. In fact, uh, uh, I can't recall whether he, they told him to, if he could take his dog out, you know.、Uh, so, what do you do in a situation like that where it's obvious that it is a working guide dog? Well, you know, it's, it's mainly I always come from educating the person.、Okay. Um, if we go into a restaurant and they say, you know, no, we don't allow dogs or pets. And then it's a matter of just educating them and saying he's not. My pet. He's my guide dog. And、um, businesses are allowed to ask if that's your service、oh, dog.、Yes. And what service was the dog trained to provide? So the misconception is is that any dog can be trained to do a certain task, but it's not for a specific disability. So, I just, you know, if we need to talk to the manager, we talk to the manager, but it's, it's the law. So,、yeah. just kind of educating them that、yes. it would be illegal to ask us to leave or to ask us 
or tell us that we have to sit outside at a restaurant. I see. Um, that's, that's interesting because I, I, I heard about one attorney that uses a guide dog and he did go into a restaurant and uh, <laughs> I believe he ended up suing the place. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know who they were dealing with exactly. there. Exactly. Yes, exactly. yes, it is. It's 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 a oh, true dear. law yeah. out there yeah. and, yeah. Um, and, and, and even plus a law they, that... Yeah, they cover they they carry collars, don't they? That identifies them, right? As a guide dog, don't they? Yeah, the, I mean they're wearing the harness. The harness um, as well. well. That's obvious. The harness is the the, the key because you exactly. can't have a guide dog lead somebody without the harness. You need to have somebody something to hold on to um, in order. You know, if Captain was just on a leash, yeah. I would have be bumping into everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but he knows when the harness is on that he's working. He's a completely good. different dog when it comes off. So, of course, that's uh, all 48 contiguous states as well as Hawaii. I'm sure this is where you have to allow. How about internationally? How are they accepted? Let's say you have somebody that is employed that has to travel like that uh, from an they're, international They're standpoint. accepted. You just have to make sure that you follow the rules of the okay. country that you're going to. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, um, years ago when I went to Hawaii, at the time, they were even quarantined. There was quarantine for even service dogs. And by the right before, I should say, before I went. Um, but by the time I went, all that you had to do was you had to make sure you traveled to the location where they could... Uh, check him out, make sure his his uh, shots were up to date. Um, so each country has different provisions, not provisions, but different requirements. Uh, we recently went to Canada, and there were different paperwork there that we needed to fill out mm-hmm. and had to go to a special section once we landed. Uh, but it's absolutely, they, they travel with you. And you, it's it's based on the the regulations of the place that you're going. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's great. It's, it's good to know. Just yeah. a matter of knowing what the rules are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, let, let me ask you this question: uh, How does the uh, how does the guide dog know your desired destination? Well, they don't. And that becomes. Um, <laughs> I, fi- I figured that much, but how do, yes, how do you... <laughs> yes, right. That was that was the uh, well. Yeah. They don't. Um, <laughs> you have to learn how to before you get a guide dog. Along with that, um, learning how to use the cane to listen to traffic patterns. Mm-hmm. There's also it's called orientation and mobility, yes. and orientation meaning that you know pretty much where you are and where you need to go. So if I was going to the grocery store in an area that I was unfamiliar with or familiar with, I would ask directions or if I was familiar with it, um, I would know that, okay, I need to cross three streets, cross over to the left, and then it will be just a couple blocks down. And it's it, places that you go frequently the dog will pick up. Mm. So, for instance, um, if we're heading toward this uh, medical building and uh, 
we're walking, walking, and then I have an idea kind of about where it is. I'll mm-hmm. start to tell Captain, right, right, find the door, find the door. And because he's used to going in that door, sure. he will find it. Now, if it's a different door and I called it wrong, um, we would just go to the next door. But technology is so helpful now because it can literally, mm-hmm. these GPS systems can tell you if you want to set on to call out every address that you just walked by. Oh, so if you're looking okay. at one, two, three, four, and you're at one, two, three, three, then you just keep going, keep going. And then when you hear, you know, the address that you want, or if you're getting in an Uber or Lyft car mm-hmm. and they drop you off, um, then of course it's communicating with the driver, you know, is the door exactly. right on my right? Exactly. Uh, but like in a mall if I wanted to let's say go to a certain store I would ask you know somebody how many stores down is the place I'm looking for mm-hmm. and what I might do in that case is I might have him find the door if it's four doors down I might have him find a couple of doors and you know when you're in where you want to be there's usually somebody there and it's just, exactly. you know is this so-and-so? Uh, yeah. But the paths that you do often, they will kind of get where you're going. Yeah. Like yeah. a weekly appointment that you might have. Mm-hmm. They, they, okay, here we go. I bet she's going to go in that door here. Yep, she's saying go inside. So uh, from what I take is a lot of it is based on your memory. Um, it, and, and, is that correct? Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, like I said, GPS is amazing. Oh, that, that, I'm that, not that, a huge sure. techie, so it could yeah. be a lot easier for me if I was. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's <laughs> when you're traveling to destinations that you're not familiar with. That's when you really just have to learn how to communicate with others, sure. and yeah. and you can't be shy, or you're very technologically savvy, and you can mm-hmm. do it on your own. I mean. It's, exactly. it's, it's doable. It's doable. Very good. Great. That, uh, very good. So let, let me ask you, how, how has it been these last 15 months with the COVID and everything else? Uh, it's It's been, you know, it's very uh, like a lot of us, you know, mm-hmm. sighted or blind. Um, Stuck pretty isolating. <laughs> yeah. I would Stuck say it. just a bit. Uh, yeah. The thing that I... You know, I was able to be okay, you know, working at home. And um, I missed the social aspect because um, that's, you know, we live for that social aspect of it. And, you know, fortunately, we had our computers and phones and were able to discuss. Mm -hmm. Um, It was what was interesting is when I heard people say how they did not like wearing the masks Mm -hmm. because they couldn't see the facial expressions uh, of people exactly. and I'm like mm, welcome to our world yeah, <laughs> like we it. don't see facial exper- expressions ever mm-hmm. and um, so it's kind of interesting that everybody was kind of in the same boat with that yeah, yeah. but that, you know, know, that, that put a, uh, a damper on the on the keeping the dog uh, trained since he wasn't um, used as much a little you? bit i mean obviously we weren't going as many places exactly. but you yeah. know fortunately we were still able to do walks mm-hmm. um it was a little i found my self-confidence was going down a little bit because mm. even going for walks i 
couldn't tell who's wearing a mask, who's yeah. not wearing a mask. And if people weren't wearing a mask, ma- I mask, I couldn't really depend on them for walking yes. distantly around me. That's true. You know, it was if if somebody wasn't wearing a mask and they didn't take the distance, I'm don't have the choice to see them coming and move over the six feet plus. So that kept me in a little bit more when it was really the height of the pandemic. And, um, Mm -hmm. but I thought, you know, I just, I have to do this for, you know, the betterment of mankind and myself. And it was, it was was isolating, but it It wasn't horrific. Yeah, it was challenging, all right. And, yeah, uh, it was challenging. Oh yeah. boy, oh my But also, too, in this day and age with everything mm. being delivered, yeah. you know, oh. had this been a different time oh. where groceries were not delivered or exactly. um, anything, you could order anything online, it would come to your home. Absolutely. I think, you know, that was what I was doing before the pandemic, and it that was something that stayed a constant for me. I was still able to, to keep the things that I needed coming. So That's I think great. if it, God forbid, had to happen, it happened when the world was in a place to be able to at least compensate for some of the things that we're blessed to have. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, uh, Laurie, at what point do you retire the uh, the working guide dog? At what point, and if you have any options, for, I mean, can you keep the dog? Or yeah, yes. Um, do do? Guide Dogs of America actually gives ownership to the recipient. Oh, okay. So, right. for instance, with my dogs, they've always been mine after I received them. Um, mm-hmm. The little. Uh, waiting period just to make sure everything is, is good and it's a good match. So the the buzz number about when we usually start to think about retirement is around nine years of age. Um, if they're healthy, I mean, un- unless, of course, something sure. turns up and maybe their health is not as good. But like people, you know, the dogs, their reaction time might not be as they age, may not be as, you know... I need to have him stop when a car's coming, like, on a dime and react very quickly. And like I said, like people, we we tend to slow down. The the reaction recovery time might take longer. So it's one of the most difficult things about having a guide dog is that retirement because you're literally, you know, breaking up the working relationship and and the bond of that uh, just because of a number and because of the ownership of the dog you have the option if you'd like to keep the dog or have the dog to go go to somebody maybe in your family or somebody that the dog's known all those years that he's been with you Um, and also if not if you don't have anybody that you know personally oftentimes oftentimes the dog goes back to the puppy raiser I see. and it's a nice full circle yeah. of that's where the puppy started and that's where they retire and if that doesn't you know fall into place we have a 
lo- a huge long list of people that are willing to adopt a retired guide dog. That's great. Yeah. It's really good, yeah. uh, Lori. You know, I, uh, before I wrap up, I, I, I'd like for you to tell my audience, let us know how we can reach out to you, to support your efforts, uh, your organization, uh, the website, phone number. Uh, would you sure, that, that would be fantastic. And we, we could use all the help <laughs> we oh, could yes. get. Oh, yes. um, our website is guidedogsofamerica.org. And it's a pretty in-depth website. You can find out everything about what we spoke about and millions of more facts and interesting things. And we have a store online. Uh, But we really could use, you know, puppy raisers that are in our area, which is in the Southern California area. Um, But donations or even if you're companies that people work for if we've had things where they've had like casual Friday you know which which is not a big deal anymore but you know if you want to wear jeans on Friday you pay ten dollars and then that goes toward guide dogs there in America yeah. yeah yeah or even some schools are doing pennies for puppies or dollars for dogs so we, we try to just you know get everyone to feel as philanthropic as possible and just know that it, it changes lives like unbelievable unbelievable i agree with you and i, I think like i said it's a it's a noble effort that you're involved with and, and i can tell you really enjoy you feel in your voice i can tell you're very fulfilled about what you do I, I'm, I'm very passionate i mean it, yes. it really did change yeah. my life and and I, can well I people yeah. don't really understand when I say this because I don't, I don't mean it like oh thank God I went blind and I have a, you know, but I am very blessed by what I call like the blessings of blindness. There have been things that have come into oh, yeah. my life that there's never would a, have before. Uh, there's always an upside to everything. Right? Yes, yes, always. always yeah. I want to thank you for being on your lot and parcel today, and uh, thank you, Ben. I, I, I love you your commitment, uh, your 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 dedication, and uh, I wish you well in everything you do, Lori. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for spotlighting us. It, it really helps a lot. For your listeners, if you have a suggestion or a recommendation of a subject matter you want to discuss, please let me know at yourlotandparcel.com, and now, if you would excuse me. This program has been produced by Isaac Diaz with music by Echo Foxtown. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit the website yourlotandparcel.com.